Okay, this is Josh T. Franco interviewing Nao Bustamante at their home in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, correct? Great. On July 3rd, 2020, for the Smithsonian Institution's Archives of American Art Pandemic Project. All right, now thanks so much. On a Friday afternoon, holiday weekend, um, taking 20 minutes to talk to us. So this project is about understanding the impact um, for the record of this year's dual pandemics of anti-Black racism and COVID-19 on artist practice. And if your practice gives a particular lens on reflecting on what's happening now is the broad scheme. But really just how are you doing? How have you been doing since March? Um, did you say the end of Black racism? <laughs> so the, um, I said dual pandemics, one of them being the surge of anti-Black racism. Oh God, see in my, in my ear I thought you said the end of black racism. Mm -hmm. And I was like, <laughs> That's a different please, kind of conversation. Please. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to have that conversation of the pandemic without that moment yeah. of, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and how that is a continuation of, of the civil rights struggle and all, all human struggle, really, you know, to be free. But, um, I'm doing okay, you know, as you can see, I'm here at my bunker um, in Los Angeles. And um, if you'd like, I could take you inside the bunker. Oh, can you really? Yeah, let me just, um, let me just pull up my interior. Well, you're do you know, this technology and our use of it is another there thing that's going to mark this year. And uh, do you have, I've been thinking about the ethics of screenshots because I compulsively started taking them, and then I thought, should I be doing this? Uh, I think everyone sort of assumes you're going to take a screen. Mm. Everyone's kind of like, you know, tightening and smizing mm. yeah. and, <laughs> <laughs> and fluffing and doing their best to look nice. <laughs> so this is the interior of my bunker, and, you know, as you can see, it's really, it's serviceable. But um, it's, you know, it's been lonely to some degree at times, but um, here I am and um, you know, I'm doing my best. Um, let me just take you for a quick little tour. Oops. Are you alone in the bunker? You don't have a quarantine crew? I have a pod. I have a pod. Um, I have my friend uh, Marcus Quillen, who's an artist, and then I have my other friend Sandy Guevara. So I do have I do have a pod happening right now. Um, this is the this is the dining room. Maybe. So yeah, it's you know we're chilling out yeah. here. It's a, it's hollow though. It's like <laughs> no. Okay, I'm gonna stop this and get serious. I'm gonna pull up a. This is a background of a. This is a film from a film I made called Tableau, oh, and it's. It's the opening scene, the opening swim scene from in upstate New York, where I where I lived for fifteen years. But I think, um, you know, I think like everybody, I've been having a lot of ups and downs. I really admire those people who, you know, really get on their routine, you know, and who, even people who are like, I'm coming out of this pandemic better than, <laughs> you know, so some people are really like. You know, I wake up, I have my oatmeal, and I do my workout, and then I, you know, sit down at my desk and write, and and it's not been like that for me. It's kind of been more 
sporadic. Like initially really trying to hold it together. Um, I teach uh, at USC, Roski, and so um, where I'm the director of an MFA program. And so I really, you know, initially was trying to hold it together for, for the students to, you know, cause they had a lot of anxiety. And then, um, yeah, and, it's, and, and, and just kind of, yeah, like the, this kind of holding, to, holding it together and coping is a pretty good state of mind in a way. It's when you, when things kind of, there's a moment though where it kind of shifts and it's like a crack or chink in the armor you know like the coping is kind of an armor and then something happens like uh you know like let me get a sip of coffee for me it's been kind of tapping into grief mm. and that's been hard and also the grief of you know all the people dying all the scared people but also, you know, like May 25th when we, when George Floyd passed and I think, you know, the whole world kind of heralded that call. And, you know, it's just been hard because I belong to a vulnerable group of people. I don't want to go in the streets in March. Mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of having I'm kind of having to feel all this and you know I can't really um I just it's hard because I don't want to like it's like I don't want to I think you know people in the hundred years are probably gonna be like why didn't she just take that pill the happy pill <laughs> one of the many options the pills <laughs> There'll be many options in the future, but um, I mean, there are many options now too, but I guess I've just been living with this sort of roller coaster. Um, at different times, I've had art projects that I've had to work on, and that's been really good because I'm able to kind of, you know, have something to focus on, to obsess about. Mostly I've been obsessing about cooking mm -hmm. and gardening. So like yesterday, I went and got a dwarf Meyer lemon tree and dug out this giant succulent in front of my, cause now all of a sudden my office is at home. So like I'm looking out the window here in my house and I'm thinking like, oh, you know, it'd be really nice a dwarf Meyer lemon tree right there. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, you stand in line with your personal protective gear, six feet apart, you know, and, uh, you know, go and um, do some, you know, retail shopping therapy, and then come home and dig a big hole and, you know, kind of, I get, you know, get up a sweat like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's been sort of my happy place is the gardening and the cooking and I don't even know about happy, but definitely finding some real moments of joy, you know, in this space. Yeah. Um, but when I'm making work, I did this project where I did um, this ASMR sourdough video. I watched it. It was great. Oh, <laughs> thank you. It was really hard to do. It was really hard to do. It was like... You mean like emotionally to work, not the actual... 
Well, yeah, I mean, kind of all of it in a way because, you know, we conceived of these ideas in January. And in January, we were supposed to be doing a performance project. It was me. It was um, uh, Lupe Rosales, Guadalupe Rosales invited me, MPA, and uh, Rafa Sparza and Zachary Drucker. Um, Matthew Shum uh, curated. It was part of Land, a Los Angeles nomadic division. And the, um, we were supposed to do a performance. And then, you know, worldwide pandemic. And then we decided we would do videos, which seemed, you know, which was stressful, but I kind of am used to working under pressure in a way that like, I know part of my process is that I will kind of procrastinate a lot, put things off a lot until I'm at this place that I call beyond decision-making where I have to then, you know, take all the resources I have emotionally, mentally, and otherwise, and like, you know, squeeze something out. Like I have to shit out a diamond at that point, you know? And um, so, but, but I also sit on ideas for a long time. So like they'll be stewing for quite a long time. And then uh, they're kind of, the ideas are sort of waiting for the right opportunity. So in this case, I'd been wanting to make an ASMR video for a long time. And I can't really remember what it stands for right now. <laughs> Yeah. Oral sense. sensory. I know what? there's something meridian is part of it. Yeah. yeah, it's when you feel when something causes you to feel the tingle. When something, yeah, the tingles. Whether visually or tactile, yeah. Yeah, in in the you know it's that thing when you were a kid and people would go like I'm gonna break a head an egg on your head and they go like that and then they then they do this yeah and you'd be like an egg anyway. So yeah, a lot of it is whispering and close sounds and, you know, like mouth sounds too. And um, everyone seemed to be really getting into sourdough baking. And it was sort of, to me, it was kind of like the, um, you know, almost like the white liberal version of buying toilet paper you know, buying too much toilet paper, like everyone went and bought a bunch of toilet paper. And then a bunch of other people started baking sourdough bread. And um, there was like a big flour shortage in LA, like you couldn't buy all purpose flour anywhere. Um, so um, anyway, I have a cousin who's a baker and he dropped off a starter and he dropped off some flour. And before I knew it, like I was like part of the craze, you know, and I was like riding that wave of like sourdough bread making and really thinking about it this way. And like, you know, people are doing these kind of activities. I also started kind of a victory garden, oh. like whenever I would eat something. So if I ate a lettuce, I would save the bottom of the lettuce and put it in water. If I ate a potato, I'd save a piece of potato, put it in water. So I planted this whole garden just based on stuff that I've eaten, celery, you know, potato, lettuce. I had some tomatoes. I just threw them in the ground and just let them sprout up the seeds. Um, so it's been really, it's been really fun and interesting. Yesterday was the first day I actually went out and bought plants for the garden. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, well, you don't, you know, there are certain things I'm sort of obsessed with, like edible flowers that I wasn't really able to grow. So mm. I ended up going and, 
getting some more herbs and some fancier things. But um, with the sourdough, I have the bread here, so let me introduce you to it while I talk about it. Yeah. Is this the one made in the video? This is, this is the one that was actually made in the video. That, oh, it's really sour smelling. Woo! This is the, I would like to donate this to the Smithsonian, actually. <laughs> we'll try to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> this, art curator. this is the actual bread that was made as part of the video but i had a um oh it smells it smells kind of good actually it smells yeah. very sour it's very it's very hard i like when it disappears into the filter nice you can probably hear hmm. yeah it's very hard it's got some great undulating waves in the front and um yeah it's very sour but this was the one i made wow it kind of has like a little it's like has some like vaginal openings totally also it's a very like feminist video art bread as you could see yeah it's kind of amazing it's taken on its own caricature anyway this is the one I actually made, but we got a prop bread fancy bakery that does really, or a fancy store that does really great breads. <coughs> and then my my team that was working with me, Marcus Quillen Nazario and Heather Ox, who Heather was in my pod before and she helped with the video. Um, but since she's out of the pod now, but she um, they went and got a this. Um, a stand-in bread that's mm -hmm. like really much bigger like that bread is like this and the stand-in bread is like you know like this it's like totally huge yeah and it's also a sourdough but it's like professionally made and everything but in the course of making the video as you know movie magic you know you kind of have to fake it till it's real and you have to cut it where you know like i was actually making it was a process over several days but then um the actual filming of the bread didn't allow it to have like the correct kind of loft and so i knew we would have to have um a different bread and then there's like different things kind of came up in the filming i had a basic score of just making the bread and talking about the bread but a lot of things didn't make it into the film so like talking about the bread baking as you know, people's way of taking care of themselves and trying to feed others and a kind of misplaced um, fantasy or delusion of like, you know, that this was going to somehow like they would be able to feed the world. Kind of like that moment where everyone was doing like makerspace on every corner and we were going to all digitally print our, you know, whatever our insulin shop machines or something like there was there's always been this kind of you know kind of post post industrial fantasy that we'll be able to return back to a kind of like simpler time or something yeah. where we'll be able to um you know uh, survive and thrive and you know it's not unlike a hippie fantasy you know which um you know i didn't grow up as a hippie i grew up you know, as like, um, you know, just like a good Mexican Catholic girl 
in a family that was, you know, um, involved in the United Farm Workers Movement and were very civic minded and very volunteer minded. And so I sort of grew up in a kind of activist political environment. And um, so I think when I rebelled, I sort of went more towards like avant-garde ex existentialist yeah. <laughs> kind of philosophy vibes and sort of, you know, did like a, like, you know, out of my, um, that was, I guess, my way of rebelling. But anyways, so um, back to the bread video. <laughs> this is what happens when you haven't slept for a couple of days. I'm so sorry. Don't apologize. This is um, these are what they are. That's what's great about these. They're not produced things. But I know the bread myth and the land talk back. You also talked about thinking about creation myths. Uh, yeah, yeah. That part did. That part did make it into the video. And uh, some, some many, many years ago, I read some cre a creation myth from. Um, I'm I'm sorry. I don't I don't really recall, but it was uh, it was from. Um, a Native American indigenous sort of practice where this, where the creator woman, you know, the mother was so lonely that she cried um, and cried and cried. And then she made enough snot to create a mate. And, you know, the name of the, of the man that she created was called snot boy. And that was the translation word, snot boy. Huh? Well, no, it was like translated from some kind of Native American language. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> that, you know, like from her grief came this materiality that she could form, which is very much like the Christian myth, you know, this idea that, um, you know, God was lonely um, in a way, you know, he created all this splendor, but then, you know, he didn't have anyone to relate to. So in his own image, he created man. And then, you know, from the man's rib, he created woman. And so, and then this other origin myth, the woman was so lonely that she, or the goddess was so lonely that she, you know, created a kind of materiality that she could, you know, like form a mate. And yeah, so I talk about that in the video um, as in the process of making the sourdough. But the, but the, but the video got really hard because, you know, we, at the time that I came up with the idea, we weren't quite in the same level of um, the the this like really intensifying racial struggle that we're in now. And then it seemed like my video then took on this kind of pallor of I don't know, like it just didn't it didn't seem contemporary anymore all of a sudden which is so you know which is so bizarre because it was so like okay we're just making it now and now it's not even you know i tried i tried to kind of do something that was a little bit of the moment and then it just felt so out of step and um but i had to kind of keep going because i had made this contract um and luckily they had and when i say contract i don't i mean there was a literal contract but i i mean more a social contract Promise. Yeah. And, and yeah, an artistic, yeah, a promise, a promise to these folks that I would do something. And there also is this kind of way in which I don't need to speak for the movement because there are so many fantastic leaders out front. So it wasn't even my place to try to 
you know, make work about the movement or something along those lines. But anyway, so it became really difficult to finish the video. And luckily we had um, an editor on board, um, Chelsea Knight and a sound guy, Matthew Jinks, and they helped me finish the project. Cause I think it just became so laborious. Like at first it was great to have put all your energy into this thing. Then it became so laborious to try to, to actually, you know, spit it out in a timely manner so that it could be viewed. Um, yeah, but I think with, um, with you know, as a group, because it was a group of works too, you know, mm -hmm. it's work, but it was a group of works and it all came together really nice because um, there were also the footage of coming up to the police and going to hot spots of yeah. uh, racial tension and marches in LA. And sourdough isn't not a part of this year in a major way. It just really shifted. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so these are yeah. so quick now. So I'm going to ask you a last question to wrap us up. Um, so soon. I know that's, you know, that's, but we want to have so many of them. It's like a weird catharsis yeah, yeah. experience we'll all have when these come out. But um, what do you think, what do you think, th this has really changed how people think of what their job is as an artist, or really affirmed it for some people. What do you think that's happened now to the idea of what an artist is in America will mm -hmm. stick? So 10 years down the road, how will artists behave that was a direct result of this crazy year? Oh, God. That's a really hard question. Or, or how the MFA program might change. <laughs> Maybe that's a... Well, um, I think, um, you know, I think it's kind of cutting both ways. Like I saw some, you know, wacky poll on Instagram or something that listed artists. I don't know if you saw that, but listed artists as like... Least essential? <laughs> yeah, the least essential profession. But then someone was like, oh, that was like a poll of a thousand people in Singapore or something. Like they had some, you know, way to brush it off. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, I think I've been struggling against that since I started calling myself an artist, where I typically found that there was a little bit less, well, there was a lot less support in, Amer in the United States for that role than in other places I would travel to. But um, I think maybe the promise of art has extended beyond the kind of, you know, contemporary art market. Mm. So that art is now embedded in almost every aspect of life. I think that promise, you know, that the situationists kind of started to spur on with the idea that, you know, that everyone's an artist kind of thing. And, um, you know, art can, art can behave badly and do different things is kind of becoming fulfilled. And I, and I see that a lot of artists, especially representational artists are able to really speak to this moment and people are finding a lot of comfort in art in um, kind of representational art, poetic art, um, and then they're also finding a lot of escapism in um, different kind of art, like storytelling, um, literature, television, movies, um, that kind of thing. And then, of course, I'm being asked to produce a ton of content right now. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm mostly doing, I'm mostly just working with people that I have a, a touch point with already. You know, I'm trying not to. 
I'm not trying to expand my world right now. I'm just trying to kind of follow up with friends and people that I've already had contact with. And that's kind of how I'm approaching things. Um, but I think that I don't, you know, the artist in 10 years, I suspect it will look not that dissimilar to right now. Mm. Um, just having been an artist for 30 years, from my perspective, the art world doesn't look that different than when I first started making art. Yeah. And we also, I've also been through several civil rights struggles and pandemics, you know, yeah, <laughs> and bad presidencies. Yeah. So I, and, and economic downturns. And so I think that um, one thing I'm really just praying is that the market will kind of shift their eye away from investing into real estate as a place to park money so that it can revitalize um, homes for the working class and also space for artists and other entrepreneurial type spirits to be able to start up, you know, their own like miniature sourdough um, baking, um, you know, taco stand or whatever. Um, but I think, you know, I think that the role of artists is kind of more widely acknowledged and there's so many different art worlds that I don't even know about you know, that I don't even participate in. And I think it's just, I think there's just so many slices to the art world that it's so embedded and that it's never gonna go away. I think it's from the beginning and it's gonna be to the end. Art's gonna be there. Art's gonna be there. I love, let's end on that. Thank you so much, Nell. Thank you.